You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hi, this is Steven from Geek Elite Media, and I want to tell you about Cuts by Candice, a hairstylist that'll work with you to get just the right look. After growing my hair out for years and years, Candice was the only stylist I trusted to cut my luscious locks. Mention our promo code GEEKOUT when making your appointment through the end of April 2019, and you'll get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts by Candice 3 on Instagram, and start looking the best you, you can. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds where it's the same year and you're the same person, but everything else is different? And what if you can't find your way home? We're back for another issue of Imagine If... Today we are at FanQuest Comics and Games in Yuma, Arizona for another roundtable. This week we are talking about the Uncanny X-Men and what they are up to these days. I know Chris and Rafa definitely have something to say about these characters. I mean, when you really talk about it, what's more important than the X-Men? Eating? Breathing? Being alive? Maybe. But today we got to talk about this. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters to me. Yeah, no, seriously, this new run of Uncanny has been fantastic and is exciting to meet up with other fans and just talk X-Men, so let's see what we got. All right, why don't you go ahead and do a around the table with see, see who's here. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm here to listen and enjoy and learn. My name is Luis. I'm just here to uh, also enjoy the uh, conversation that we're about to have here uh, on the subject of the X. Comics, people's opinions on the X-Men, and uh, yeah. And I'm Chris. Start us off, Frank. Oh, if we talk about, I mean, with the X Men, there's a lot to talk about. I think a lot of us is where we're, where we're at. Stand by Kurt Busiek, amazing book, highly recommend it. And they did a, a sister book called Professor. You're just gonna find it in back issues because for some reason they haven't collected it. It ran 18 issues, and it basically took like the first issues of the X-Men comics and made them modern so by now they're old but at least back then it was like oh this is how the X-Men would have been like in the 90s so it was great so that was a book that got me hooked onto them and I just really related to it so Sam what about you how did you meet the X-Men oh, well I met the X-Men in uh, uh, the late late 80s I guess but not really collecting them um, I would collect other comics and I'm, uh, it interested me back then but now that I'm older I'm, I'm thinking that I missed quite a bit <laughs> do you have music was just so mesmerizing you know and uh just uh listen to that theme you know got me hooked came home from school watching it on fox it was one of the one of the shows that i was mostly uh to watch um and uh, it did get me into a lot of trouble because i i i, <laughs> I lacked on the homework part because i was so busy watching the x-men um it's uh somebody's gotta save the universe <laughs> yeah you know i mean as a kid people don't know this but you go through a lot of stress uh, even as an adult right now, I mean, I still go through a lot of trust, but as a kid, oof, you know, this is this was definitely a, a, an escape route to, you know, to block myself from reality, from all that algebra homework. Um, so, I mean, uh, if I had to pick, I would say that uh, Cyclops was uh, definitely my favorite character in the animated series just because he was the, the leader, I guess you can say. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's just show a lot of leadership, and that's something that uh, I saw in myself, so uh, I can definitely relate to Cyclops. Nice, good pick. Yeah, I, I can honestly say, Luis, you have good taste in X-Men. Of course I do. <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, kind of a similar thing, you know, yeah, I watched the TV show, which was great. Like you said, that... Really, it goes really far. It's in your head now, isn't it? <laughs> but one of the main things for me was, so, you know, growing up, not having a lot of money... Getting your hands on comic books was really difficult. I remember specifically at one point, I got like the 600-page X-Men graphic novel, which was just a combination of different stories. And one of the main stories, it had like a cable story, and it had a uh, the story where Magneto finally... Action. Yeah, so it had that issue. And then it goes into the issue. But what messed me up was, I was Acolyte. I wish I still had it. I think I sold it in a yard sale. But it, I mean... That's why we have the internet, right? Most like I didn't really get, get into the comics early enough, so I, I kind of had to go through it with the actual TV series. And then as I got older, I was able to earn money and, and st- start to buy things. So, yeah. 
No, I tell you, that was one of the big things. Like, that's what helps the cartoons. I mean, you could you, you had the Marvel Action Hour, Fantastic Four and Iron Man. You had X Men, Spider Man, uh, Hulk on UPN. I mean, it was great. You had all those. So, how about yourself, sir? Uh, same thing. The uh, X Men animated series and uh, uh, the live action movies really helped too. Um, and then uh, I didn't get I didn't get into the X Men until back in 2010, where I got my uh, first series, which started with Wolverine Goes to Hell, and that's it. Uh, some good stuff, Jason Aaron. Yeah. Man, he, yeah. he did some crazy adventures with Wolverine. Nice, mm-hmm. Chris. Uh, just like everybody else, the uh, '90s animated series. Although. Probably unlike everybody else, I would say that Evolution is the better cartoon. Uh, At least uh, the animation uh, is better. Uh, oh, man, oh, the table just got me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not even going to hate. He might be right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I tell At you what. At the very least, yeah. the animation is better. I mean, that, that kitty Nightcrawler romance they were developing? I mean... <laughs> he blew air True. kisses for the listeners at home. Well, there were a bunch of love interests that were being set up in that one, but one that of them for Kitty sure. And Avalanche, right? Kitty, they also set that, that one up. Happen. That yeah, one was yeah. the main one. Yes. The forbidden love. <laughs> and this one, it was good because Wolverine wasn't going after teenage Jean. So yes, that was true. good. Less creepy. Yeah, that was nice. It was no, more like he adult. goes after her when she's older, which is more. It's true. Like in, she'll, like she'll always be a series. tear in his eyes. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, um, and my first comic with the X Men was actually one of those like don't smoke comics that oh, Marvel nice. put out <laughs> that they handed out at school. I was like, these characters are awesome. <laughs> because they don't smoke. That's what's amazing. <laughs> and then Which you was read funny because they had Johnny Storm in there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You can't smoke cigarettes if you're on fire, right? <laughs> I have to it's ask true. Chris, were you smoking a cigarette when you read that comic? I was. <laughs> I was at uh, five packs a day in third grade. That's hardcore, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you start no. with the times table. We all heard about that. <laughs> and Mitch, why don't you tell us? Let us know that secret origin as well. I mean, yeah. Uh, the 90s animated series was uh, my entry into uh, X-Men and uh, eventually made my way into a comic book store. Probably started off with Spider-Man. And Spider-Man went into X-Men in different ways. So just like, oh, well, you know, I, I like that cartoon. I might as well start... Uh, following that character, my my favorite character though is is Beast, and he doesn't usually get too much uh, fanfare anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been rough for Beast for like the last decade. I mean, it's, as soon as you start hating on Cyclops, that's what happens. You know, it just all spirals and goes downward. But it's interesting though because I know definitely like X Men Evolution. I'm gr- I'm glad you brought that up because that that was actually was a pretty good show. I remember catching some of the episodes, and then. What was the name of the one after that? Because they did another X-Men cartoon. Wolverine and the X-Men. Yeah, Wolverine yeah, yeah. and the X-Men. I always tried to think of that as like a, a continuation of X-Men Evolution because the animation looked kind of similar. It's very similar. Yeah, so I was like, all right, maybe in my hopes and dreams, you know, because cause then we just, like, Fox and Disney and Marvel, they had that horrible breakup. And, you know, the yep. X-Men got put away. They got put down big time. <laughs> they even know? did Genosha in that show. No kidding. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so for the listeners, if you're not a big, uh, if you're not on Genosha, so Genosha at first they kind of build it as like, oh, this is the the mutant sanctuary, you know, come here and live in paradise and you'll be treated and respected. So then they go there and it's like sucker, you know, they put you in like basically chains, but like the power inhibitor collars, and then you would just work like you would, you know, they'd use their powers. Like I think of it, I know the '90s cartoon really showed it very well. Like you know, they'd have like avalanches, like mixing up the concrete, you know, pyros. <laughs> cooking I don't know whatever you know but they'd all be using their powers to basically make the nation of Genosha look that much better and so they build themselves off as being hey we're tolerant and respectable and the reality was they were just as ignorant and worse than you know everybody else and then the sentinels arrive <laughs> yeah that's true we haven't even gotten that far yet yeah <laughs> oh it's some really good stuff and then I'm glad you brought up the movies too so I mean We've definitely seen a lot there. I, you know, I know we all went through X-Men to X-Men 3 and then kind of the, the relaunch with the first class and so on. So I, I guess a lot of it, there is a lot of outside presence more with the television that brings us into the, the gateway drug of the comic. Did any of you ever play any of the arcade games? Anybody do any of those? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Of course. 
Anybody? Any other ones out there? Anybody play Children of the Atom? I remember that. That was a big one. That was a great game. I forget what it's called, but there's one for the Nintendo, and I think it's like you have to fight Apocalypse or something. But that is the hardest game I've ever played in my entire life. <laughs> you you start off, you get to pick which X-Men you want to be. It's like Colossus, Wolverine, Storm, whatever. Of course, I pick Cyclops. And just everything is hard. You jump too fast and you get hit by something. You get shot by monsters. It's, oh, it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good game. It was like a killer or something. I'm going to look it up. Well, it's like when you when they're free, they were worse. Because I remember the Nintendo game. You're just this little blob that would run around, and like the powers were all the same. It was just different colors. So like Cyclops would basically be Wolverine's claws, but red. You know, like, oh, optic blast. <laughs> I think it was cheesy. Um, well, let's see. Okay, and then we we just recently had on going back to television though. Gifted got canceled. Was that something that a lot of you were watching? Anybody paying attention to that show? I watched a few episodes, and it was interesting their takes on the different characters but it was not a good show <laughs> had fred from angel but besides that that's, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't enough to keep my interest now let's see we'll then continue on with live action tv and then we also had legion as well which starred the the crazy multi-personality son of professor xavier legion is anybody watching that show i watched the first season the soundtrack was amazing the visuals were great and then I don't know what happened. Something happened, I just stopped watching. Not that it's a bad show, just my mind went somewhere else. All right, yeah. Okay, well, let's see. Let's jump into the comics. That's what we're here about. So let's talk about some of the new stuff going on. So recently, Uncanny X-Men have been going through, gosh, a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, about probably over 10 years ago, I think. They brought the 05 back, Cyclops, Angel, Iceman, Beast, and Jean Grey. They brought them from 1963 all the way up till now. Uh, the minute they did that, you had one last run of Uncanny X-Men. Then the books kind of started going to the color phase. So you had X-Men Gold, which was kind of like the giant size X-Men team. X-Men Blue, which was just the 05. And then they brought Jean Grey back from the dead, and she had been killed back in like Grant Morrison's run, so early 2000s with X-Men Red. Yep. Uh, then they pretty much canceled all the books. And they did a quick X-Men Black. I forgot about that. They did like a six or eight issue miniseries, just kind of focusing a one shot on some of the bad guys. And then finally, they brought it all back together with Uncanny X-Men. So they recently did a 10-part weekly series, X-Men Disassembled. So guys, did any of you did any read it? What are your thoughts on that? Any highlights or you know, exciting parts to it? Ultimately, I read it, and I enjoyed parts of it. But really, it kind of gets me back to that question. Do the X-Men deserve happiness? <laughs> okay, I asked this question. You sound like a Marvel editor. <laughs> because as we've seen over the past couple years with the whole inhuman experiment oh, yeah. and how they literally threw the X-Men to the curb and they tried to make the inhuman something much bigger and it failed miraculously on so many different levels. Because unfortunately, a lot of people don't like the inhumans. Black Bolt's pretty cool. That's it. <laughs> but... Besides those things, I enjoyed it's, those books. They try. You know what, Chris? You're, you're entitled to your opinion. And I'm not, not going to judge you. But one of the things is, you know, I always think back on why I enjoyed the X Men. And to me, the X Men were this group of people that were just so cool. These were the people that would go into the thick of it and they would fight for the rights of not just themselves but everyone else, right? It's this idea of these people who some of them, by their outward appearance, can be subjugated. They can be alienated, ostracized as much as possible. And on top of that, those of them that can hide it, at the same time, they're still considered mutants, right? And that can be looked at as negatively. So throughout the years, all that we ever get is a sense of hate and anger and destruction. And over the course, what Disassemble tried to do is it tried to give us a future where finally Nate, right? Nate Gray, Nate yeah, Summers, -Man, Nate. he comes in and he says, I'm going to try to you know, give us that sense of what is what we deserve, right? So he has a conversation with Apocalypse, Kitty Pride, and that senator, right? Trying yes. to find, okay, you guys have tried it for this long. And Gene makes the point, you know, like, hey, we are better than the oppressors. We are here to, you know, work towards equality one day. But it's been so many years. It didn't work with Xavier. It barely worked with Cyclops. <laughs> Magneto couldn't do it. Yeah. And ultimately now they're still here and it's the same issues, only getting worse. And so Nate's finally taking it upon himself to go, okay, then either the X-Men don't need to exist or we need to, you know, just 
finally have that happy ending, which they kind of go into into Age of X, right? Ultimately. Yeah. And so that always kind of made me as I was rereading through these books and trying to get back into these concepts. And that was the idea of do the X-Men, do the mutants deserve a happy ending? Because when I look at it, it's the X-Men work best when they are up against turmoil and strife. Not strife the bad guy, but strife in general, right? <laughs> or both. Or both. <laughs> they are forced into predicaments where they have to be better than everything else on top of them. And they have to keep moving, keep going through the trenches. And it's a losing battle. Because no matter how much they get forward, they always move backwards. Right? They had Genosha. What happened to Genosha? Destroyed. Ultimately, Cyclops founded Nation X. Ultimately, that fell away. Um, for a while, the X-Men went to limbo because magic took them there with all the demons, right? That chased something else. Everything is always changing and it's always getting worse. And all that's happening is people are getting more and more annoyed. Like, oh, that's an X-Men problem. Even other heroes like Captain America and the Avengers make it look like they don't care about mutant issues. It right? was funny. Uh, Beast like, was all like, uh, was uh, getting really angry because he... he even had to say uh, Cyclops was right because <laughs> everybody was just like, no, that's your problem. We, As we don't he gets the table. <laughs> and I mean, what are we arguing? Do the X-Men deserve a sense of a happy ever after? Can they have one? And can it ever, like, are they ever going to get to that point where it happens naturally? If that happens, man, uh, usually that's the end of the X-Men series because the X-Men is known, they're known for their struggles, their uh, their political views, um, you know, their their uh, their obstacles, and that's what makes them a great characters, because uh, you know, we have, and we as fans we relate to them because we ourselves are humans, not mutants, but I mean, <laughs> witness in a sense. Right. So I mean, the fact by the X Men finding a happy ending, it's that's pretty much the end of the X Men because they're, they're not known for. <laughs> For happy endings, you know, they're known for their struggles. They're known for their, uh, their, um, their, their, the obstacles that are put in front of them and how they overcome those obstacles. But uh, I mean, it, it wouldn't be ideal for the fans if, if uh, the X Men just find a happy ending. It'll be the end of the series, I think. Right, and that makes sense. And so maybe we're always going to be in this loop that never closes because it's supposed to be this way. Well, I think just chiming in real quick, I, I think that big tagline gets us to protect a world that hates and fears you. Because we've all felt that you know, that moment when you got ostracized for something, and then you got to turn around and help somebody back. You know, it's like you want to deliver that fresh karma, but in the end, you do the right thing because that's what most people wind up doing. And I think that's something we see with the X Men. Because going back to talking about the Inhumans, they are a great set of characters. But I've always related them to like they're great when they guest star in like Fantastic Four. But to take the Inhumans and give them the X Men's problem. I don't think that was the right way to do it because I know like when Jonathan Hickman was writing Avengers and it went to the big Infinity storyline and Black Bolt had this idea where it's like, hey, I'm just going to unleash the Terrigen Mist on the whole population of Earth and let's see what happens. And then, bam, now the Inhumans are outnumbering the mutants, you know? So it's like, well, so now they're basically the pseudo X-Men and it was. I mean, it was basically just we as fans are watching this change because of you know, Disney, Fox, and Marvel, that whole situation. So, I mean, ultimately, they got to find a strong hook when it comes to the Inhumans. But you can't take the X-Men's hook because that is theirs. Like, you're right. I, we've, we've read plenty of futures, Days of Future Past, you know, Age of Apocalypse, now currently Age of X-Men. Pretty soon we're going to get uh, Hickman. Who knows what he's going to do with that. But I do remember they made a specific miniseries and Chris you might remember this one X-Men the end it was like three six issue minis Chris Claremont yeah and like Chris Claremont the guy who like as much as we credit Stan Lee no Claremont just totally helped the X-Men a lot totally reinvented the X-Men yeah made them actual people with real problems yeah no he did he brought in some amazing stories and then he destroyed them. I mean, yeah. dude, like if you ever get a chance, folks, I recommend that one. Uh, X-Men the end. They'll have a trade paperback that has all 18 issues in it. And it shows it's like it's always that somewhere in the distant future and you see what they're all going through. And I mean, it was like at one point they'd literally carve an X on the earth because like the she are just so sick of the mutants and all that. The Phoenix and all that crap. And it's like, damn, you can't get more hated than that. You know, that's insane. <laughs> We're going to carve a Grand Canyon. The shape of your X on your home, you know? So, uh, well, I guess then in that case, like, so with Disassembled, I don't know if a lot of you guys were reading that. And then the book, it was rotating between three writers, and then it continued on right now from 
Like, I don't know if a lot of you read that Uncanny X-Men Annual Number 1. So, I mean, obviously, I enjoyed that issue. They brought Cyclops back. Yes, yes. They wound up killing him. So, it sounds like I've seen some heads nod. That could be something worth talking about. So, I mean, I guess in the first place, how did you feel about the way they killed him? Like, with the whole death of X when it really came down to the Inhumans versus the X-Men. What were your thoughts on that? Anybody? Anger. Hatred. (laughs) Vile. (laughs) Why did you feel that, that emotion specifically? It's just they were trying to replace him with the Inhumans, so they just kind of got rid of him with the uh, with the mists. Was was just like, and it was funny too, cause um, <clears throat> like it wasn't him, but uh, yeah, he just uh, supposedly declared one of the Inhumans and all that. Everybody like, oh, he was terrible, but Storm did the same thing. Yet, oh, it was okay for her. I didn't really understand that one. No, I I agree. I felt there was a big disjoint between. Death of X and IVX because Death of X you had what was it Charles Soule and Jeff Lemire writing that one, but then when you go to IVX, I don't think either one of those guys was writing the book. I could be wrong, but yeah. So it's like you're zigging, and then the next part is the zag, but there's no real relation to that because it's like yeah, because I mean, and, and again, like I felt there was a lot of character depreciation both with Cyclops and Emma, you know, because it's like. Uh, Rafa and I were having a, co- a conversation about this. If you go back to Grant Morrison's run on X-Men, one of the big things is when he had those Sentinels go over to Genosha, Genosha and just kill everybody. Because at the time, Joe Quesada was like, dude, we've got too many mutants. We need to bring it down. So they basically just, gen- like, just you know, atomic bomb that killed all those people. Emma was there. She was a survivor. Now, how is she going to feel okay with doing that exact same thing to the Inhumans? Like, that's real big backpedaling that doesn't make sense, you know, because that kind of spits in the face of everything. And, again, I know a lot of people could argue, like, doesn't Magneto do that? You know, here he is, supposedly a child of, you know, the Holocaust, and the next thing he's trying to do is obliterate humans. I don't know. I just I felt that that was really out of tone for Emma. Yeah, I see that. And I think one of the main things, going to the idea of Cyclops, right, it's, Cyclops, over the course of everything after Decimation, right after House of M, Cyclops came in and he did what neither Charles nor Magneto could do. He was able to bring the last remaining mutants into a safe space and kept everyone alive. He did some questionable things, sure, but at the end of the day, he was that figurehead that made sure the mutant population stayed alive. So they play him off as like he is the big head honcho of this person. And when Avengers vs. X-Men came, of course, they needed to have a bad guy yeah. and so they they put cyclops in that role ultimately right and whatever you want to say about avengers versus x-men i personally liked it and the phoenix force phoenix five whatever you want to call it as it happened whatever but ultimately it shifted things because now after everything that cyclops had done for his people it was kind of a slap in the face because people that he trusted people that he loved people that he kept alive all turned their backs on him and I felt that was weird writing in itself. And then as it continued on into Uncanny and he escaped from prison after basically almost being killed, then same thing. They were playing him off as this bad guy because now this is a man with his back to the wall, right? He's done everything to keep his people alive. Mutants are coming back and now they're still being hunted. And so he's that whole mutant um, revolution that's coming up. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I was about to say about that um, one of... Um when he became the phoenix it's funny um he became the phoenix he only killed one person that was xavier that was a big thing but he was possessed by the phoenix yet uh gene was possessed by the phoenix and killed like a planet uh, i don't know how many planets full of people <laughs> yeah she was forgiven but uh, he can't be forgiven you know it's funny i know they, they had something like that like because i remember I, I just heard wolverine's voice in my head that you know, when Cyclops is like, I only killed one person. You killed the one person that mattered. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. Again, Wolverine's a murderer as well. I mean, yeah, he's gone he, all over the place. And they uh, cut him so much slack, even though he, uh, I don't know, kills like, I don't know how many people. <laughs> yeah. No, there, there definitely was. I mean, like, I really got to say from Astonishing X-Men by um, Josh Whedon all the way up to AVX, that was amazing stuff. Kerry uh, Gellion, when he took over... Um, when he was writing Uncanny, that was a really great moment. That was like probably like mid two thousands, and it's funny because if you go back to Avengers versus X Men, that event, that's the first and last time they've ever done an event that way. So they basically said like, "Hey, let's take like our top six writers 
and everybody's going to write two issues. But it would be like, you write an issue, then the next guy, then the next guy. Once they finish the six, go back. So that's why that series feels so disconnected because it's like, you know, when Bendis, because Bendis wrote the Cyclops killing Xavier issue. And if you, when you read that one, I mean, obviously I have a bias, but I don't feel like Cyclops was the bad guy in that one. You know, because at one point they're talking, they're on the beach, it's all calm. And then Xavier is just like, boom, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm attacking you telepathically. He's down on his knees. You know, Xavier's yelling at him, boy. You know, it's like, who the hell wouldn't retaliate in that And situation? plus he's being attacked at the same time by all the other X-Men. He's sure you got the Hulk hitting you. <laughs> How do you not get angry? <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, that's hard, especially because, I mean, during that whole time, it's, it's that concept of absolute power corrupts absolutely right <coughs> so whereas you can see the perspective of the avengers saying well we've only known the phoenix to be a, a vacuum of destruction they were able to um to uh they were able to kind of move forward and try to bring in something where the x-men no longer necessarily fit in this area so they made cyclops to be the scapegoat they took him out they did all these things and then on top of that i mean just the um, imagine just losing all of your family all the things that you have in your life and then they kill you off in such an unceremonious way to me death of x i thought was interesting i like where it started and right. you know the the ultimate reveal at the end that cyclops has been dead since like the first issue is very interesting because you know that means that all of his attacks on the Inhumans that was all the doing of Emma, right? We get that. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I liked the way that they killed off Scott in the sense where, if I'm looking at X Men, X Men is like Macbeth. If we're looking at Shakespearean tragedy, the X Men are not supposed to get that happy ending. Bad things happen all the time, and so for Scott to be that antihero who comes in sacrifices his whole life child soldier to protect these people that hate him to ultimately be taken aback by his own family and friends and then to die by him well in the arms of his supposed love for no one to know and then just to have like a funeral with the world hating him there's something very bitter but also yeah. i don't know something bittersweet is peaceful to it so i like that concept like i think that was like the 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 darkness in me that enjoyed that ending. Yes. Um, but I knew eventually, like all good things, they are going to be brought back. Yeah. No, it, it does. Like, I mean, I remember one time, and I know a lot of people will give, you know, grief for this one, but I remember somebody said, you know, X-Men is just the story of Cyclops. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. Because you know, I like that character. This is fantastic. But I mean, to see him go through all this stuff, like this reminds me of with Hal Jordan with Parallax. You know, it's like you were the greatest and now, bam, your name is dirt. You know, like nothing good comes from this and you're just going to be run through it. And I like that Cyclops is the face of this, you know, because right now, even, you know, like that's why that uncanny X-Men annual number one, it was such a great issue to read. And I love the fact that, you know, new cable, I don't know, everybody on the Internet calls them Wi-Fi. But, <laughs> you know, so but Wi-Fi is literally the voice of the fans. And he's like. He was just saying exactly what you said right there. Like, that's not how you should have died. This isn't how it should have been and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that's cool. Like, to me, that felt like the X office was apologizing. Like, okay, we recognize that, you know, we did it too far, and then we're going to see what goes back. Did any, anybody else, any reactions about that Uncanny X-Men annual number one? It was great. I mean, I'm, I'm not really a fan of Cyclops, but I thought that was a really great issue um, with them bringing him back and, like you said, Cable just being like, that's not how it should have happened. Like, I just want my dad back. You shouldn't have died that way kind yeah. of thing. It was it was really powerful. Um, real quick question. Has anybody else been reading Mr. and Mrs. X? No, I remember I, I bought the first issue, but I passed. But, okay, um, are you checking that one out? Oh, yeah. All right, what are, you, what are your insights on that? The reason why uh, I bring it up is just because... Rafa keeps saying that the X-Men can't be happy, and that's like the one X-Book where they're like, yeah, fuck it. They get to be happy. So what is it's it? great. What's going on in that one? It's uh, Gambit and Rogue. Oh, they that's They finally right. get together. Okay. And everything's kind of working out mostly for them. That's After good. Colossus and Kitty did not get married. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were like, oh, I mean, we're ready for a wedding. Fuck it. We'll do it. Hey, that's the best way to get married, though. Everybody paid for everything else, right? <laughs> there's a free bar. There's a free priest. Hey, man, jump on that. That's that is Gambit. He is the thief. That worked out perfectly. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he stole a wedding. It's great. Yeah. 
And well, I, they kind of gave it away, though. Yeah, true. <laughs> no, I'm going. But uh, yeah, no, actually, that is one of the few points where they do get to be happy. Like the book's taking place in space, right? For most of it, or are they back uh, on Earth? It started out that way, it's and the honeymoon, right? Yeah, it's been it's been kind of all over the place, like. They were doing their honeymoon in space, and then like a bunch of nonsense happened with the Shi'ar, and then they were back on Earth, and then Mojo came in and grabbed them, and it's just been all over the place and tons of fun. Nice, yeah. No, that book um, that was kind of interesting because I I'm glad that they I'm glad they kind of hooked those two together. Like I'm I'm glad that that finally happened because I know. Obviously, we were all watching that cartoon that definitely felt the way it was going. So it's kind of like implant imprinted on us. You know, it's like that's like your uncle and the girl he's always hanging out with. Like you hope they get together and there you go. It finally happened. Um, did you guys. So you, you read that with the uh, Colossus and Kitty Pride wedding. Were you surprised by that or did you kind of see that coming? Uh, a bit surprised because I always thought they were going to get together, but eh, it's kind of like how they how mostly our comic weddings uh, usually usually kind of go through. <laughs> you can't trust cats in weddings. Pride <laughs> and Catwoman, man, gonna get messed up. She just likes yeah. dating Peters. That's it. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Well, and then it's funny if you think about it because she was engaged to Peter Quill from the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then she just like never mind, dropped him. Goes back to Peter Rasputin. Never mind, dropped him. So it's like, man, whoever's next, I feel bad. <laughs> she's going to get back together with uh, Parker. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's what she's doing. She's collecting in the Infinity Rings, you know, <laughs> engagement rings. So she gets six, she's set. <laughs> like Demandrin? <laughs> yeah, right? She's going to go that far. So, well, something I like. So currently right now, we've, we've got, so after the annual, everything dovetails because the annual comes place after Disassembled. And so... You do actually have the X-Men experiencing their happy ending, and they know it's not real. So we're going in the Age of X event. Chris, I remember you were mentioning, you've been reading some of that, right? Yeah, I've, I'm actually completely caught up on Age of X-Men. Um, it's really kind of interesting because it's basically the exact opposite of Age of Apocalypse. Nice. Like, instead of everything just being super grimdark and like everybody's fighting for survival constantly, everybody's a mutant. Everybody's happy. Nothing bad is going on. Supposedly there aren't any prisons, but I mean, there are because there's Prisoner an ex prison <laughs> book. Not on the, not where they're at. Right. Yeah. Um, and that all came about because of Nate Gray, uh, X-Man. He just came in. Well, in the age of X-Men, it's actually Hope Summers that supposedly did this, but... Well, uh, so she finally did something good. Okay. <laughs> <She finally laughs> well, that's what the story is <laughs> in that universe. We just got to give credit to somebody. We'll give it to Hope. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, it's super weird because you can't have any type of bonds with anyone. So, like, even friendly bonds, like, when two characters are alone with each other they get super uncomfortable and weird because they're like we're gonna get arrested like people are gonna bust in and just shut this shit down <laughs> so they went from stopping cigarettes to now abstinence this right yeah, pretty much <laughs> you got young children have them read age of x man <laughs> yeah and even like the cuckoos Everybody gives them crap because... Um, well, the hive mind and that, yeah. Yeah, so they, like, have to be together. But, like, one of them has been split off from the other two, and the other two are regarded as, like, this, f like, filthy relationship that they have just being sisters. And they're like, oh, you're flaunting these, like, familial bonds that none of us have because everybody's test tube babies and stuff. Like, nobody's actually born anymore. We've evolved past this. It's a crazy read. Now, that makes sense. And Apocalypse is like a hippie yeah, revolutionary. Love, love spreading, yeah. Well, and that's funny. That it's interesting because with it being Nate Gray, the X-Man, yeah. you know, during the age of Apocalypse, he was. He was the test tube baby. You know, he was from the DNA of Scott and Gene and then just, you know, harvested by Sinister and... You know, so it is interesting. I didn't think about that, but that makes sense. That's probably why he doesn't understand bonds and unions and stuff like that. Because even in his own book, he's never really made friends or anything. Because at least Cable always had Blacksmith. Right. X-Man has just always been himself. And if anything, he's always like, no, stay away. I'm too powerful. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Is anybody else reading any of the uh, Age of X-Man books by chance? Yeah. About the annual? 
um, the X Men annual was, was it, and yeah, not not really knowing a whole lot about what what you read. I just um, seeing seeing the way that one started, and, and when they found that that little girl, it was just like, what is going on? And then you know, you see the little aside. You know, what is Blob thinking? You know, <laughs> go, go to, go to <laughs> yes. you, you know, <laughs> it was like it was partially an ad for all the other five right. series that are going on. <laughs> Tune in here, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know how to feel about Kurt being an actor. <laughs> That's right. Kurt is like the most famous person in the world now because he's like this superstar actor. Also, the, the the relationship they start building between Gene and Bishop was very, that very is, strange. It is odd. Like that's that's not a relationship I've ever has ever been hinted at. But I yeah, mean, and then he gets arrested. Yeah, they <laughs> the way. they just Mind needed wiped. to put Bishop in prison. That's, yeah. well, that's all it was basically. Well, there's no well, Wolverine. There's that, no Summer, so it's kind of like <laughs> she had nowhere else to turn. Yeah. Well, but it's fine. And like, I guess in my mind's eye, my first thought was like, why is she gonna want to have the hots for the guy who's been like hunting down her son? You know, because like when Bishop and Cable totally were split hairs about hope. But it's like, well, I guess technically none of that history happened because they have a whole new history. But yeah, it, it does. It feels like it's a plot device to be like, all right, how do we get Bishop to go from being with the Marvelous X-Men into the Prisoner X book? But there was also, uh, if you looked at some of the thoughts of some of them, they were like, something doesn't feel right. You know, you could, you could see inside their head like, this doesn't feel right. Or one of them was saying, I've done this before. I feel like I've done this before. And... Yeah, so it's yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, yeah. 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 very much so. So there it goes again. They can't be happy. It's an illusion of happiness. <laughs> well, besides Rogan and Began, that they can be happy. Yes, <laughs> finally after thirty years. That's if they don't get divorced. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Ex marriage. <laughs> <laughs> kind of going back on the thing on Hope. So Hope is a character that after Second Coming they didn't really do well after. Avengers versus X-Men, they didn't really do anything with her, right? Yeah. And they played her up as this big mutant messiah, this and that. Yep. Um, did you guys also read uh, The Exterminated? X-Men The Exterminated? Oh, the extra issue after Extermination? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's an extra issue, and in this one, we kind of, so kind of from what we talked about, in Extermination, young cable, Wi-Fi, right? <laughs> Kills <laughs> older cable for not doing his job and sending the original five X-Men back in time. So in this one, once Cable Cable is dead, we see like the story of this one shot of Hope and Gene. Yeah. And they're trying to clear out all of Cable's like weapon areas. And there's a moment in there also where Bishop comes up to pay his respects and Hope is not having it. Yeah. And Hope is saying, <laughs> how would he feel with you here, you know, after you hunted him, after you tried killing me for so many years? So it's like it's still there. But they still don't really address it. I don't know how Bishop came back being a good guy or what happened there. Maybe I missed something. Well, you know, I was just thinking that question in my mind because it was during the whole Astonishing X-Men. Like, they, they relaunched that book during the color times, uh, blue and, and gold. And so they brought that one back, and I forget who wrote it. I think, I don't know if he was in the first arc by Charles Soule, but that first arc is where they brought Professor Xavier his mind back to life and now oh, he's inhabiting God, that's right he's, he's inhabiting in the body uh, of um, oh Phantom X Phantom X yes, that's badass right. guy and so in one of those because he just like they just love this idea of getting like let's just get all these crazy characters and put them together and so they had Bishop but he was very 90s looking so it's like well Bishop's a time traveler so is he the 90s Bishop and he's just in Mar times and he's like why the hell is everybody hitting me like what happened you know or <laughs> is he a Bishop fully aware of like no, I get it. I, I kind of was on the other side there for a while. I'm sorry, you know. So, yeah, I'm very curious to how they to resolve that. Did anybody by chance read Astonishing X-Men? Any pickups yes. from that? All right, so did, did you read? Now, there were two parts to that because you had the Charles Soule, and mm-hmm. then it jumped into uh, this guy currently writing, uh, Matthew Rosenberg, because he did the one that brought Banshee back and some of the New Mutants with Havoc in the lead. Yeah. I do not remember a whole lot of Astonishing. Uh-huh. I remember, God, who did they bring back as like their big bad? I could have swore that it was Legion, but I know that it's not. But it was somebody similar to Legion. Yeah, it was because it wasn't. I'm trying to think um, now. Omega Red. <laughs> he has been showing up in a lot of X-Books recently. I'm pretty sure it was the Shadow King. There you go. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, so that was why Xavier was back. 
Because right. yeah, those two are like they were in constant battle and you know the mindscape and all that fun. And I think ultimately it's it's hard because we're having all of these X Men books and they're all kind of going towards something. I didn't really read Astonishing, but one thing that I that I am reading currently and I'm really really enjoying is the Uncanny after the annual, right? And I just gotta say. Math, uh, what's his name? Matthew Rosen. Yeah, Rosenberg. Rosenberg. This man knows how to build tension and suspense while at the same time making like the greatest Ocean's Eleven 12 esque, like hit type comic book I've ever read. There are parts, right? Specifically when they bring the X team back together, right? So, first and foremost, issue 11 is a godsend. Because we have Cyclops and Wolverine come back together, right? Back to form. Hey, let's join forces. And it's done in such a tasteful, awesome way. Because Cyclops comes back and he tells the world, I'm back. X-Men, come find me. Let's do this. Yeah. And then all of the bad guys show up. We got the Reavers. We got all those dudes. And they're ready to fight Cyclops. And you can tell Cyclops is ready. Like, all right, let's do this. Let's fight. Yep. We'll see who wins. And then Wolverine shows up and they take out the bad guys. And then both of them just kind of look at each other and they say, okay, let's get to work. Right? And that goes directly into them then assembling, going into a prison, saving a bunch of other X Men. And now they've created this kind of ragtag group of X Men to go and like save the world. And that includes Cyclops, Wolverine. We have. Um, Basically, all of the new mutants. Basically, yeah. all the new mutants, right? Magic, Wolf's Wolf's Bane, Bane, Magic, Havoc, Karma, uh, Madrix, Danny, Mirage, Mirage. Um, and they had um, what's his name? Big guy or what's his name? Uh, yeah, strong guy. Strong guy. That strong guy for oh, a second. That was sad. And they got rid of him. <laughs> yeah, that but hurt. I'm just sitting there and I'm reading this last night and I just watch them just kind of hanging out in the bar and just coming up with plans. Like, all right, this, this is what we got to do. These are all the problems. Let's take them out. And just, I was listening to it with like like music behind, right? Yeah. Because like like uh, like that kind of music that you listen to when they're gonna do a heist, and just imagine them just doing a heist. It just it just made it so much so much funnier, and it just made it it made it a little bit more lighthearted. Yeah. Especially the the talk, the talk that Wolverine and Cyclops have, where Wolverine is saying it's a kill list. Let's take out all these bad guys, and Cyclops is saying no, we don't do it that way anymore. And then she just says, it's because you're looking at the world through rose-tinted glasses. She's like, <laughs> You've been sitting on that for a while, haven't you? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's those little shots of humor injected with like action sequences that I've been really enjoying. So it's not a super serious comic. It's more of a comic book that is a lot, a lot of fun. And at the same time, building off of newer and cooler concepts. So, I mean... I think this is something great because it's bringing the X-Men back to form. Will it ultimately go back to like a number one again? Maybe. But I like what they're doing currently. No, I agree. Uh, echoing that, like this arc, this is forever. Um, I remember, you know, just being super excited when the annual got released. Issue 11. It was the double size issue, like eight bucks. But that was like the best X, eight dollars I spent on an X-Men book. But when they showed the solicit for cover 14, you know, and it's got that team. I'll admit, I was just kind of like, oh, this team sucks. <laughs> you know, like, this is just like, it, it's the New Mutants. I never got into the New Mutants. You know, Havoc and, and you know, Banshee looking like death, you know. And you're just like, what the hell is this? But as I've read these issues, and right now as of this recording, what, we're up to issue 16, it's exciting. Like, Rosenberg made me care about these characters because, yeah, right off the bat, issue 12 you know, it's like Cyclops and Wolverine, they break into the mutant holding facility. Because by this point, the Marvel Universe 616, every X-Man is gone. You know, everybody's gone. Mutants are basically going to be like, I don't want to admit I'm here because we're going to get hunted down. Because that's what the government's doing. They're hunting them down and they're turning them into power batteries or sentinels. Because Havoc was put up there and they're basically leeching off his power. Strong Guy was inside a sentinel mech style suit. And so Cyclops and Wolverine, bam, they come in to save the day. They set free all the new mutants. And even then, some of them were tied up to the techno-organic virus. So it's like, oh, geez, this is deadly stuff. Like, the world hates them. Then on top of that, you got this senator who's like, yeah, we've got the anti-mutant gene right here. We can give your baby a shot, and you don't have to worry. So it's like, they're going to be eradicated. Like, this is, I like your phrase, with their back to the wall. This is their back is through the wall. You know, like, it's just like, holy shit, it's getting dark. So I'll admit, this side of the 
the X-Men books has been a little bit more fun for me, picking up issue 11 and going it through. Um, just I always cheat. I look at the upcoming solicits, so basically like the previews magazine. We're going to be getting the story arc through issue 22. Um, and then kind of alluding to what you were saying, because I'm curious about that as well, because issue 22, that month, so that would be July, you're going to have X-Men 22 drop, so that'll finish up This Is Forever. Then House, uh, or sorry, Age of X-Men will also wrap during that same month, so they'll have the Omega issue, and then they're going to drop two new series, House of X and Powers of X by Hickman. So Jonathan Hickman, so it's like, well, what's this going to mean? Like, you know, are you guys in favor of a relaunch? Do you think the books are going good? What are your thoughts on that stuff? I like that uh, Cyclops is back as leader, though uh, I think he's holding the back a bit. <laughs> uh, though I... Though I'm liking this uh, current one, and uh, I'm interested to to see the new t- uh, t- the new t- uh, titles and where it goes towards the future. Good, yeah, no, this arc has been fantastic. Before we started recording, me and Rafa were talking about um, uh, reboots in general, and um, we were talking about how well you guys have been talking about how um, we see a lot of ourselves in the X Men, how how they have they have struggles. They have hopes, they have dreams, they have real, real life issues that that people around the world love them for, and that's why I think it's still, you know, popular. I, I'm I'm for a reboot, for a new generation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whenever they reboot series, that's always a good place for new fans to jump on. Um, and old fans to hate on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, you called me out. <laughs> it, it definitely makes organizing your collection way harder when there's... I have nine different issue number ones of this series from this last year. How is that possible? Yeah. No, that is a hard part. I mean, like, I, I, I hope... Like, regardless of what changes, I hope Rosenberg doesn't stray too far from the X offices. Because this guy, like... What he's doing right now with Uncanny is actually making me want to go back and read that New Mutants mini that they were putting out that was supposed to be out around the time of the movie last year. Uh, He wrote that, and obviously he's playing with those characters for a specific reason. He likes them. Um, That run of Astonishing that he took on, like I think it was issues like 11 through 18, where he did an arc on Astonishing X-Men. I want to go back because I'm curious, are there clues? You know, Because it's like he didn't get to write in the same consistent spot. So he put down these clues. So it's like, oh, man, this is going to be good. Um, I don't know, though. I'm scared with Hickman. I'm not going to lie, because when he took over Avengers, I felt like he made it too crazy big. I mean, you got the X-Men running around in starships, going to planets and stuff like that. And that's always been one of the things I didn't like about X-Men was the space part. I didn't care for the Shi'ar. I mean, like, the Dark Phoenix saga is great, but I like that it was just a saga, not that this is every, you know, like, oh, hey, we're off in space again. Here we go. So, like, I kind of, I don't know. I guess it's just I didn't really care for his Avengers run. I know it was huge. That's, you know, when he did the whole Infinity and Reed Richards was like, everything begins or something. I forget what the phrase was, you know. But I definitely hope Rosenberg stays with this. Um, LaRocca on the art has been great. He's the guy who's been drawing these. And, like, it was funny because the last time, the first time they killed Cyclops, and then when they brought him back, it was also LaRocca. So I was like, that's kind of cool how it's happening again, and those two are team. Are LaRocca's back on the book, and you know, of course, the first person Cyclops teams up with is Wolverine. You know, he just likes uh, drawing those sexy muscles. Yeah. <laughs> there are definitely a lot of shirtless <laughs> scenes. <laughs> you know, but uh, so like, I guess in some of the new stuff, what in this current story arc or story arcs, because there's several books, what's like the, your favorite thing that you're seeing going on right now? Oh, I can tell you that. One panel has made me just more excited than I've ever been in recent history, which is the panel where they show Scott's list. All because it's got Children of the Vault, which is my favorite X-Men story ever, where after M-Day, this crazy time-displaced ship that's been out in international waters opens up and these crazy, like, Latin American mutants, but they're not mutants. They're something completely different. Just start hunting down the rest of the mutants. And, like, the story starts out with Sabretooth running for his life, scared out of his mind. That's huge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
So to see that on the list is just so exciting. His fanhood, <laughs> right? Although it is strange that the New Mutants are on that list as well. Like it's a bunch of villains, and then it's like, oh yeah, the Morlocks, the New Mutants. Why not? Yeah, we got to take care of these things. Well, hopefully, hopefully it's in a good sense because they did right. kind of, you know, they moved the Morlocks out. They like, hey, it sucks living underground. Go live in Russia. That's probably better, right? You know. <laughs> so at least there was that. Um, what's something that you're looking forward to with what's going on right now in the books? I don't know. I'm I'm hoping looking forward to them going back to bases with the old school uh, X Men uh, team up. Um, I'm really li- liking the current arc right now. I especially love that Matthew's giving some spotlight to a multiple man. Yeah. He's re- he's really yeah. good, especially after I fell in love with uh, his uh, uh, limited series with Multiple Man. That's oh, true, for he sure. Did. He yeah, did write that. that's right. And going back on like what you're saying, right? The going back to those fundamentals of the X Men. I love that they're using like the what is it the '80s style costumes? Oh, well, the '90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 90s. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. in their best costumes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's and I like the way they did it too, because what they're doing is. They're coming in and right. They come together like we don't have any costumes. Yeah, we got nothing. We got yeah. nothing. We're lucky Harry like, lets us stay in the bar. Don't worry. <laughs> I went over. I found some old costumes. And then Alex Havoc specifically says, "What year is this?" <laughs> See again, it's, it's that lightheartedness that I like in the nostalgia is key, man. That's what's going to bring the fans back. Well, I believe. you're right, exactly. Because I was thinking about that. I know Roth and I were talking about this, and I was like, I got this feeling that they're going to probably go old school with them. Because if you look at all the marketing or even like the toys, Funko, Marvel Legends and stuff like that, like Marvel Legends just basically they've been sprinkling out the Jim Lee X-Men. Funko, when they do the pops, it's the classic stuff. A lot of people go back to that 90s Fox cartoon because, I mean, it's out on DVD. So, you know, most people are, hey, let me show this to my kid. This is what I watched. And it's like you go to that iconicness because like go back to like Superman New 52. Hey, the red shorts, it's stupid. It's a bad idea. So they got rid of the red shorts. And then what happens? Yeah, no, bring them back. You know, like we've got Superman. He looks a certain way because it's all about that marketing. You know, like Spider-Man, they'll change his costume, but you know it's going to go back to the way it was. It's going to always be that iconic look. And the X-Men haven't had that iconic look. Jim Lee really did a lot, especially when they when they relaunched or when they brought X Men back in 1991. Like that first issue, that is the highest sold comic out of all comics. You know, like it's just crazy sold. So it's it's one of those main things. So yeah, I am glad those costumes are back. What's a big moment that you're outside? Like the, the costumes? Are there any other big things that you're liking about the current series right now? No, just me, for the most part, I was just bringing back uh, Cyclops because, you know, they brought back Wolverine, they brought back Gene, so they had to bring back uh, Cyclops. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely was very excited to see him back because I'll admit, once they killed him off, I like I don't know if I'm really going to read any X-Men books, you know? Also, I would have been angry if they would have brought back Wolverine and Gene, but not Cyclops. It's like, <laughs> come on. It's, yeah, it's very true. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I'm glad you're on that side of the relationship. <laughs> so, Rafa, what you got there? I don't know. There's a lot of th- different things going on right now. By far, though, what I really like is how they're playing up the kind of the bromance between Cyclops and Wolverine. Because, I mean, they've hated each other for a very long time now, specifically with Schism. And I like how the relationship has built over a long, extended period of time. Because everybody always kind of comes to the assumption that all Wolverine and Cyclops is is a butting heads relationship because they just want to be with Gene. Yeah. Right? And it's so much more than that. And I feel like. Everything after Decimation, even Astonishing X-Men, right? They start to develop that respect for one another. And right before Schism happens, you see that. Because, you know, Wolverine is Cyclops' right-hand man. And they work together in tandem very well. And what I think works really well in Uncanny X-Men is that this is a Cyclops and Wolverine story. It's the old X-Men coming back to gather the old X-Men together to fight back and try to put their staple back in the world. If this is our final showdown, then let's go out with a bang and not a whimper, right? And so I like what they're building with them because at moments they can be funny and they can argue with one another. But at the same time, then they can go in and, I mean, we have a wonderful shot. I think it's in issue number 15 when they're taking out the mutant Well, don't say shot when it comes to issue 15. Right? Yes. <laughs> and besides, you know, Cyclops getting his eyes Damn shot. Damn it, Holmes. <laughs> but... It's so cool because of that scene where 
Hey, Hope did something. (laughs) Stabbed her. And then he gets, like, his face gets obliterated to the point where he just looks like a monster. (laughs) And I don't care about the politician. This is for Cyclops. And then he just stabs Hope and basically almost kills her, but she absorbs some of his, you know. Yeah, luckily she got the healing healing factor. factor. And so it shows me again that for the longest time, I wanted these guys to make up and be friends again. And I'm getting that in this. I also like how they're kind of slowly building back up the Cyclops-Captain America relationship. Because, I mean, these are both captains of their respective teams that are doing their best. Now, I don't think Captain America has been written the best a lot when it comes to mutant relations. Definitely (laughs) not. And, I mean, at the end of the day, I feel they're both characters that genuinely, when it all counts, they do want to help those that need help. Um, But even though their ideology is completely different. And I like how they're, they're slowly... Extending that olive branch and kind of going back to kind of how things were. I don't know. I've been really enjoying it so far. Yeah, no, I there's a lot of great stuff. I got to say my favorite moment was issue 14 when they get their basically like their first victory. So when they take down those Russian soldiers and they're like, hey, you know, Morlocks, you guys can live here. This is your land. And it's great. And then they're back at Harry's and they're celebrating. And it was like, that's cool because, like, for me, I always loved those issues, like, when they would play basketball or baseball. I always loved those moments. I thought that was great. That was a very, like, exciting moment. So they're finally getting that celebration. But I do love the fact that it's like, of all people, who comes to the door? It's Captain America. And, you know, like, I know in the most recent issues um, with, with Cyclops and Cap, like, they're not on best terms yet. And I like that. I like that it's not easy. Like, I love that Scott is just totally like, I don't trust you yet. You know, like, I'll give you some of these bad guys. Well, I heard you had more. You heard wrong. <laughs> you know, like, I love that he's just... Give me, own business. give me that dark piece. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, now that, that we're taking care of that here. But I do like, and I even like the, the issue, because that's one of the great things about, or what I appreciate with Rosenberg, what he's doing is, Cap slips him that note, and he's like, well, this is me driving on the wrong side of the road. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, you're not British, so there's something big to this moment, you know? And even like later on when they're talking and Cyclops is like, look, I can't be the leader. You know, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't carry that weight. And I like that moment. It's like, all right, this is cool. And then even Ileana, like, oh, are we going to talk about the note? And it's like, that's perfect. He's totally tuning into what we as the readers are curious about. Like, what is that note going to mean? Are the Avengers going to come in? Are they going to help? Or is this, you know, just like, you know, maybe he slipped them a LOL, you know, meme face. Like, I ain't helping you. <laughs> Who cares, you just know? Just the middle finger. Yeah, he's going to troll them, you know? The Pete so, the Frog, that's what he's saying. Yeah. So oh, I guess we're, we're, we're getting close to the end of this one. Something I'm curious about, what is your favorite X-Man story? Because, I mean, we've got, oh, God, like Marvel's celebrating their 80th anniversary right now. Uh, the X-Men were created back in 63. So you're talking about almost, we're almost at 60 years of this stuff. So, you know, what's the book that you could just read over and over again tirelessly you don't mind? So I think for me, just to give you guys some more think time on that, I love X-Men God Loves Man Kills. I think you could give that book to anybody if they were curious about the world of the X-Men. And I think that just, it paints it all perfectly. You know, it shows what the X-Men are going through. It shows that anybody will hate them and they'll disguise their hate any way they can. And even Magneto, his part in that, you understand why he would do what he does. You know, it's like you don't necessarily blame him for being like, let's get rid of all the humans. You're like, no, humans are scum. I'm a human, but wow, you know, like he really plays to that. And even in that moment, there's some great Cyclops speeches in that. Like, I just love the way that, like, they don't necessarily come in and optic blast the bad guy. They use their words at it because they're right there on camera. So, I mean, for me, that's always been a big story. That's one that I've always loved. So anybody else got theirs by chance? Yeah. I mean, as I said earlier, um, the story with the Children of the Vault, which was X-Men Supernovas, is what it's collected as. Um, That's my favorite story, just as a single story. As a run, Extreme X-Men with Chris Claremont and Salvador LaRocca. That was a great series. Uh, for me, it was Age of Apocalypse. Oh, good one. Yeah, I just love the world that it was like. I love these alternate, you know, you know, alternate world, you know, things, and it's just the world where it's just, um, you know, like the Sinister has the Summers Brothers, you know, what he always wanted, <laughs> and then like a whole bunch of other, you know, just Apocalypse is in control, and yeah, it's just awesome. If I had to pick one, I think Second Coming is one of the greatest, not just. X-Men stories but the greatest Marvel stories ever told it has amazing payoff if you've read everything up to that point 
And just I remember reading that when I was 22 years old and feeling like I was like a 10-year-old kid again and just being <laughs> excited as hell as everything paid off. If I had to pick a series, I loved Whedon's Astonishing X-Men nice. or Morrison's New X-Men because that one was weird. <laughs> yeah, it was. So I guess a lot of things. So we, we have you know the, the upcoming movie. How many of you guys are excited about that one? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the comic medium is where I'm happy at best. I mean, I, I'm I want to see that new mutants movie if it ever comes out. But besides that, not not Dark Phoenix is I don't know. I think it's the rehash of the um, of, of of the other one. <laughs> so X like, three try again. Yeah, <laughs> it just feels like it's not going to. Uh... Uh, a clear direction just because you know it's uh, it just feels like Disney's just gonna scrap all that and start all over so it doesn't seem like it's a significant uh, a significant uh, purpose to, true. to yeah. continue on with yeah. something that's not gonna be here in the next five years or ten years so uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not that excited about Dark Phoenix yeah no that's a tough one I mean I can imagine just even as the actors like can you imagine like you've been these characters for probably close to 10 years and now all of a sudden it's like okay this is it and you're not going out on a big ceremony like hey Endgame this is going to be great for Robert Downey Jr. this is like hey dude you're, you're fired but we still need you to do one more dance okay <laughs> uh, personal no, that's just uh, the fact that uh Michael Fassbender, which in my opinion, I think he was the best Magneto in the in the TV, um, as far as in the in the in the, in the movies. Um, uh, for me, he was the, the best Magneto to be cast, um, and it's going to be just sad that you know he's that the direction in which the this this these, these movies are heading. I don't think uh, he's going to be the, the the person that I'm going to miss the most. I, I think. Yeah, no, he did a great job playing Magneto in that series. Um, yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Like, I'll sit through it. I don't want to set the bar high because I've fallen for that like times already. But I'm excited and I'm hopeful because I mean, for me, like as a big Cyclops fan and Cyclops and Gene, the Dark Phoenix saga is like huge. So I'm just hoping they do it justice because right now the best adaptation is the cartoon. Like X3 just tanked. The cartoon did a good job of condensing it down, so it's like, all right, maybe, maybe we get something, maybe we'll get lucky, you know. But again, the cartoon was probably like, you know, twenty minutes of Scott yelling Gene, you know. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take that lump. That's fine, you know. But um, so yeah, so I mean, there's definitely a lot of stuff going on. Like that's one of the best things about the X Men is it's really encompassing. You know, you, you can see a lot of a lot of different people in there and we all gravitate towards somebody we relate to their struggle and their story and a lot of us find ourselves to the X-Men in various different ways you know definitely like I said I the cartoon is what drew me in and even then I remember as a kid there's a circle cages down the street and they had X-Men Children of the Atom that video game and you know at the time I used to play I Iceman all the time because he had the coolest power set you know, but then just kind of gravitating towards Cyclops. You know, I wore glasses, he wore glasses. That was great, you know. So it's like, all right, that burden of leadership, you know, we all kind of felt that. So that definitely got me in, interested in his story, you know. So we definitely have a lot to look forward to. We've got the movie. We've got the merger. But right now, I've got to say the comics are back. Like, they're 100%. It's great. Like, definitely you feel like Marvel's investing in them. So, I mean, we've got This Is Forever with Rosenberg going on in the X-Men, the Uncanny X-Men proper book. We have the rest of the mutants off in the Age of X-Men, which is a five-part uh, five part story. Six? It's five different six-part issues, I believe. Okay, five different six-part issues, then an Alpha and Omega. Uh, I'll cheat. I'll probably just buy the Omega and see how it all wraps up. I've got no problem dealing with that. Um, and then, you know, at the end of, of X, Age of X-Men will also be the end of This Is Forever, and then we go into Hickman. And who knows what's going to happen. So if you're wanting to get back into the X-Men universe, I would definitely say talk to your local comic shop. Start putting in the orders. It's going to be a, at least a two-part series, House of X and Powers of X. Um, what do you guys thought? What, do you guys, what are your thoughts on that? Like, What do you guys think? Anything you've seen from the promo art or anything like that that's got you excited? Like, What mysteries? Like, Why is Havoc a baby on that one? You know, I mean, there's everything going on. Why is there a Red Nightcrawler? Anything that's kind of jumping out at you real quick? Whereas you didn't enjoy Heckman's run on Avengers, I did. So I like the idea of them making it more grandiose. Uh -huh. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I'm hyped. Good. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm just interested to see what happens next. You know, just I don't have any preconceptions of what might happen because it just might not come true. So it's right. kind of like, eh, I just uh, take it as it comes. Good. Okay. Well, we're definitely glad we got some other people coming in talking X Men. Mitch, what do you got for us? I was just going to say, uh, yeah, I wanted to thank everybody for joining us on our Uncanny X-Men uh, roundtable. We definitely had some really good cons- uh, conversations and, and topics come up. So, uh, you know, into the next few hundred ep- issues of, uh, of X-Men, it's going to be pretty great. Uh, you guys all did forget one thing, one of the greatest parts of this un- Uncanny X-Men book. Every time the X-Men go up against a government facility or break into a building or something, there or or there's a government, uh, there's some type of army or military people there, the, the the scene always starts off with two guys telling a joke to each other, and it and it gets cu- it gets cut off. Like it's one guy is like saying, That's "Oh yeah, true. the general says this," and 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 there's a lady flying in the air. Like it's always something, but the the punchline gets cut, and it's just it's a funny like running joke to have in the background of this whole thing but uh yeah it's great so, for the writer that way he's like oh this is the best joke you never heard it yeah, exactly <laughs> that's his mutant power <laughs> so yeah once again i want to say thank you for everybody showing up and and diane for allowing us to be here at FanQuest comics and games and we want to say a big congratulations because this is 29 29, 29 years. years of FanQuest. 29 years of making dreams come true thank you <laughs> we all started here too. <laughs> we did most of our origin story started here as soon as we were done watching Fox, we came over to FanQuest. <laughs> <laughs> but this has been Imagine If on the Geekly Media Network, saying always remember to... Geek Out! This concludes our broadcast. Hi, this is Steven from Geek Elite Media, and I want to tell you about Cuts by Candice, a hairstylist that will work with you to get just the right look. After growing my hair out for years and years, Candice was the only stylist I trusted to cut my luscious locks. Mention our promo code GEEKOUT when making your appointment through the end of April 2019, and you'll get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts by Candice 3 on Instagram, and start looking the best you, you can.